Alrighty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Man of Steel one individual minute at a time. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate, as well as my Instagram page, Clutch Figures. And I'm Andrew Dorowski from the Protagonist Podcast and also Disney Animation Minute Essentials. Alrighty, and today we're going to be talking about minute number 37 of Man of Steel. And the minute starts with uh, Sagowski uh, telling Lois Lane that the anomaly is buried under ice that's 20,000 years old? 20,000 years 20,000. And then the minute ends with Lois Lane um, catching a certain person up to no good. And this person is Joe slash Clark Kent slash Kal-El slash Greenhorn. (laughs) This, that, and the other. Um... So yeah, it's, uh, the two twenty thousand year old ice. So does that mean the ship has been there for twenty thousand years? I don't know. Does it equate like that? Basically, yeah. I think that's how they make it work. Is it's been it landed on ice, and then that ice is twenty thousand years old. So the ship must have been there for twenty thousand years. Yeah, it's because they they're measuring the ice around it and everything, and you know counting tree tree rings and whatnot you know that's how they do it with science <laughs> so so my question was yeah. what happened twenty thousand years ago i think it was just it was just one of the colony scout ships right like krypton was doing colonization scouting twenty thousand years ago well there's a whole big story about that ship if you want to go into it yeah i've been i've been i've been hearing your your earlier minutes talking about dev m and kara Zor-El and all of that stuff mm-hmm. like that i don't I don't know if this all lines up because then like Dev M the second was on Krypton. Yeah, yeah, thirty years ago. <laughs> I think it's part of the. Well, see, this is the thing. Like, how long ago did they send Cal L in that ship to, for Earth, and then like him getting there? Because maybe that took a while. And... What his travel from Krypton to Earth? Yeah, like what if they sent him? Like, I think it was instantaneous. Yeah, it was pretty much instant. Like he wasn't even out of the Kryptonian atmosphere when it when it zapped into orbit around Saturn. Yeah, it's um well going back well, on what just, we know well, about the film cuts like that. True, but yeah. what we know about from comics, um, Phantom Zone, Phantom Drives, is that they are almost a teleporter. They they use the Phantom Zone as a wormhole to get from point A to point B instantaneously, Wait. and that's at least what Doctor Emil Hamilton uses uh, when he has his own phantom drive in his uh power suit in some comics he has a teleportation aspect of it that um actually i think i think in that when he uses his teleportation it, it kind of takes away his life his lifespan his life well, expectancy I, so it kind of deteriorates his I, body but that's neither here nor there now that i think about it I, we answered this before but like the distance between krypton and earth is 27.1 light years yes so that would mean it, they sent the equivalent man does that mean it took him 27 years to get to earth i don't think so i don't think the phantom drive is is beholden to light speed i think that's the point because zod once they get out of the phantom zone in the in the black zero yeah they teleport like to the outposts and they get to earth within 30 years yeah and they're they're searching for 30 years so so it's so they're they're pretty much just like popping in and out. And yeah, phantom and drives like are that. instantaneous through wormholes, and I th- uh, that's what we, I'm tr- I'm trying to piece together the timeline of the scout <laughs> ship and but, and everything in my head. 
But with Phantom Drives and, like, Kryptonian tech, they can definitely do faster than light travel because, like, Kryptonian tech's how the Justice League um, uses, like, gets around space faster than light. Yeah, yeah. They, they use tech from Krypton and, and Mars and Green Lantern stuff and all that. I think this scout ship is the reason why they haven't discovered yellow sun planets and their abilities before. Because we've talked about this, like, how Kryptonians, like, explore... They were... They were explorers. They, like, mm-hmm. checked yeah. out different planets. But now you're telling me it's not until this film that a Kryptonian realizes, like... The yellow effects s- of a yellow yeah, sun. Yeah, like, you're telling me General Zod didn't even know about, like, what happens when you get on a yellow sun planet? Like, this must have been the scout ship. I feel like they do know because, like, they handle it pretty well once they get there. They're like, oh, yeah, like, super speed, strength, like, all this stuff. Like, And they wouldn't be used to that. They'd be like running way too far into walls yeah i think it it, they probably did figure it out before but it was before you know uh sort of row time and they probably you know kind of did that whole kryptonian decree where you don't tell people about that information and jor-el being the crazy scientist that he is he kind of already knew that information yeah so I think they probably did know the effects of a yellow sun. That's why then, they wear the helmets and the suits. Yeah. They're like because they don't yeah. like it. Yeah, That's but insane. then but then they're they're trying to, um, you know, push back that thought. Maybe they learned it from like the other scout ships when they were going. So like on Krypton, they didn't know that they could have been superpowered under a yellow sun. But then they're like going and checking out all these scout ships, and there's like notes and records of like, hey, yellow sun radiation gives us powers. Could be. I just think. Oh, I was gonna say. I guess they do know about the effects, but I was going to say maybe the scout ship that landed here was supposed to give them that information, but they never made it back, so no one ever found out about it. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. I, and, and well, the whole deal about this scout ship was that it actually crash-landed on Earth. She, uh, Kara, piloted it into... She pilot or is she like the captain? Of it the was ship? she was the yeah she was the captain and um, Devems was a stowaway. He killed everybody and then you know she and him fought. But then while the ship was going through damages between you know in their fight, it she successfully crashed it into you know the Arctic Circle, and then the ship you know took <laughs> twenty thousand years to repair itself for it to finally send out the the ping that you know the nasa satellites caught but then it's almost like um i don't i don't necessarily know if if the the actual mission for the scout ship was to land on earth and see the effects of a yellow sun i think it was just by chance that she found a planet crashed it in managed to survive or not survive and one kryptonian left the ship where we have no idea where they went I'm going to throw this out there. Do you think Lex Luthor should have been on this project? Like, R&D department or something? I think it, like, instead of the U.S. military, like, you're saying maybe it should have been, like, a Lex Corp research base? I'm, I, I think he should have had, like, some involvement as well. I don't think he gained interest in Kryptonian and alien stuff until after Mankind was introduced Like, to maybe Superman. as soon as he realized Superman was a thing, he, like, retrofitted his whole R&D department? Yeah. He was like, we need Into to, Into like, Krypton exactly. research. Yeah, because, okay, so then that begs the question, why wasn't uh, Wayne Industry R&D department mm-hmm. there checking it out? Because they, they just didn't, they didn't think about it. They didn't know. They were making, they were building stuff. I mean, this was pretty hush-hush. Yeah. Or maybe, like, maybe in this time maybe it's still under his father 
I mean, it's only 18 months apart, but LexCorp still could have been, like, his dad could have been CEO still. Yeah. Could be. Mm. Um, um, what was it? Earth, things that were happening on Earth. Okay, so it just begs the question of, there was a Kryptonian that survived that crash of the scout ship. There was a Kryptonian that walked away from the ship 20,000 years ago. If that Kryptonian was Kara or Devem, they can't possibly be alive at this point in time. Yeah, that's, like, ridiculous. And they would have to have traveled. I mean, granted, they probably used powers. You know, they, they saw the effects of Wait. red, you know. Yellow sun radiation. No, well, hold on. Because you're saying that there was a, a like, uh, a tone that came from the ship? Like, uh, like, like they, it sent a, like a distress call. Yeah. It, the, but the, when did the, the ship... notification come? Just now. So maybe... It repaired itself. It took 20,000 years for this ship to repair itself, apparently. What if apparently. those Kryptonians, like DevM or Karzorel, just now woke up? No, they didn't. Then From the pre... The... What do you mean, the they who's... just now woke up? Like, maybe that... In the prequel comic, someone walks out of the ship. And yeah, it's still on the surface. It's not buried. Yeah, Before it's buried in 20,000 years of ice. Yeah, it's not buried at that point. The ship is still on the surface. They're walking out. And then that person, that Kryptonian is roaming this earth, uh, you know, with all the, with very little civilization at, you know, that point in time, 20,000 years ago. Oh, I don't know. So unless that person, unless that Kryptonian found a civilization and they decided to worship that Kryptonian as a god, like how you would think they would could be our you know notion maybe of... it's like in a, like maybe they're gonna just estrange that origin into like some sort of hybrid vandal savage like story possibly maybe i've heard um theories that like maybe descendants from that kryptonian mixed with humans led to the amazons for wonder woman oh uh, that's cool then i get well would well, that disprove greek mythology yeah then Karzorel. Oh. Yeah, it, it gets it gets like messy and confusing, and then it's like, well, okay, but if, if it's Dev it's like, does that mean he was Gilgamesh, like the first like super powered being on record? Yeah, or Atlantis, right? Yeah, Atlantis stuff could come up. Could be, yeah, because yeah, Kryptonians can stay underwater. Yeah, but then it would completely throw out the notion of Greek mythology being a thing. Well, unless they're unless they're just creating the mythology around this. This person, like you guys talked about with Rao, um, where he's like not really a god, god, but he got worshipped and and got carried in, and so they, you know, had this figure and it became legends and mythology around him, and they they formed you know all these Greek deities or, or Roman or um, Mesopotamian or whatever. Yeah, no, I that is definitely a possibility. But we're fill- we're filling in the spaces for the filmmakers at this point. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's just so interesting because it's like by the time they do a Man of Steel sequel, it's I feel like it's going to get more alien. Yeah, it has to draw mm-hmm. in more Kryptonian scripture and Kryptonian background to it, especially with you know the prequel comic that came out before this movie just existing in general. I feel like they have to call back to that because like with this film and Justice League, there's like. You can't be like fighting like Metallo or any like a metal robot. Like no, you've you've cu- you've like exposed so much about outer space. Yeah, there has to be a bigger threat. Like yeah, so there has to be yeah. a bigger threat. Like if things like Brainiac and and stuff like that, and Dark Side and it just all of that. It makes us want more of of what's out there. Like kind of Green Lantern. 
like stuff like that. Yeah, like, but not space cops. I think I, 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 it seems like the path that they, you know, just from us talking about it, it seems like the path that they that they might take with the Man of Steel storyline is that it is going to be more alien-esque than we've seen any other Superman story other than just, you know, a superpower being saving people's lives. It's going to be more alien-based. It's going to get, like, Superman lives, like Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm down for. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but enough speculation because <laughs> we can go on for hours about that. Yeah. He, uh, so Lois Lane, uh, I forget what she's looking at. Is she looking at she like when she's taking the pictures. Well, she's not taking pictures yet, right? But she was out there, and then. Oh uh, yeah, I think she was just looking around. He was like, uh, Miss like Miss Elaine, like temperatures are gonna get down to like negative forty. Yeah. Um. When and then he gets really snarky. He's like, wouldn't be able to find your body till after spring. Yeah. Um. But he has like kind of a weird, pleasant smile as he says it, where he's like, "We're being friendly, and I'm making this joke." Like he seems oddly friendly in this scene compared to every other scene he's in i thought i took that as more passive aggressiveness like um like i know the kind of journalist you are don't wander around and don't you know it just doesn't sound passive aggressive enough like his tone doesn't quite match that like it, it's a, a passive aggressive line but his tone doesn't seem to make it like any way threatening yeah well i don't you don't want him to sound like murderous <laughs> but i don't know i i kind of took it as like all right he's just being a dick again because they both are um yeah i had some questions about well we were talking about how how like is 40 negative 40 degrees is that really that cold and then it's pretty freaking cold yeah. yeah and at nighttime well, if it drops there for the like the location is is negative 40 degrees like in that area is that yeah, that's but, like below, way below average. And on then, a normal day. well, I I asked you this, and it was really weird. But I asked you like, is are they saying negative forty Celsius or negative forty Fahrenheit? And we ran it through like a conversion, and it's so weird that it's the exact same. Yeah, once it gets um, below zero, they start to sync up. Once it's below zero Celsius, um, it it starts to sync up, and there's a certain point where it pretty much just matches. And negative yeah. 40. And that's negative 40. Yeah, so it it's... almost seems like it's that perfect number where they didn't need to clarify Fahrenheit or Celsius. You huh. know, being an American, he probably used a Fahrenheit. Uh, but then military background, he probably knows Celsius. And being in Canada, they're going by Celsius. Yeah, so so it matches up right there. And so they don't have to say which one it is. That's crazy. But <laughs> at negative 40, no matter what, if there is, especially at nighttime, on a freaking ice mountain, if there's mm -hmm. a wind chill... Oh, that wind sounded fierce. Yeah, you're getting frostbite within minutes. Like, if you don't have... There's a poster on, like, the, her little cabin thing that says, like, the proper gear. She doesn't have a face mask on. If you're out there and there's a wind chill at negative 40, you're getting frostbite on your face. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, within minutes. As well as the, the batteries in her camera should just not work or just be extremely slow. I was going to mention that, like, her camera probably doesn't function at that temperature. Exactly. Yeah. Especially I later used... on when she's <laughs> in the ship. It, it's at night. Yeah. When she goes out, it is nighttime. And so that's the negative 40 he was talking about. And when you listen to that wind, that is a fierce wind. And I've, Oh, yeah. I lived in Poland for two years, and I've, I've felt, like, cold wind on your face. And it is unpleasant very quickly. And she's out there for, I mean, that hike is at least, like, a half-hour hike. 
and she's unprotected, like, her face is going to be blistered and sore and... And that camera's frozen. Yeah, because I, I used to manage a restaurant, and whenever I had to do inventory, I'd go in, like, the like the freezer locker, <laughs> and I was listening, I'd be listening to music on my phone, and, like, within minutes, it would just turn off. Like, yeah. Because of temperature, and it would just, mm-hmm. like... You know, yeah. The, the battery. And then imagine should... a big fan blowing on your face at the same time. Yeah, with even colder temperatures hitting you. It wouldn't. So. Even, it doesn't even feel like a fan. It just feels like needles hitting you. Yeah, exactly. Point. Yeah. Um, Frostbite should have definitely ensued. Yeah, negative forty is so cold. Oh man. Which it seems like throughout this entire movie, all the way up until this point, they've been pretty fairly accurate on on things that you would just you know accept. It's like okay, yeah, it looks like they did their research. But then mm-hmm. just to throw negative 40 at there, it's like, it kind of just well, seems... they're supposed to give you the danger factor, but, and then, like, showing her face is because, you know, it's an actor, actress in a movie. Yeah. They need their screen time. So. Yeah. So, then change the temperature. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's harsh out there, but it's, it's, that environment's crazy. Um, but it looks really cool at night. I like the, the, like, the lamps and all the light posts that they got out there while it's in, it looks really cool. Like, it really, like... Um, kind of creepy ex- excavation site that they got going on. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it adds to this. This sequence is kind of a horror film sequence. Like the this minute oh, yeah. in particular is like there's something out here. What's out here? What am I seeing? Like she gets the zoom in on a small figure and all of this. All the while she's she's doing Jimmy Olsen work. By the way. Oh yeah, most definitely. <laughs> Where's Jimmy? Oh, getting somewhere in yeah. Africa. <laughs> <laughs> I was sad about this. Like, seeing her put together a camera, I'm like, Lois Lane doesn't put together a camera. Jimmy Olsen puts together a camera. They should both be there. Um, would, would that have worked, having having a person always with her? Like, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, supporting character-wise. Because she's already a supporting character. But then this film <laughs> kind of treats her as, like, a protagonist, almost. Like, almost like, not, like, well, she's female lead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it would have been fine. I, I wouldn't have minded having Jimmy here, like, taking the picture and, like, showing her. And then if she goes and investigates and he doesn't or something. Yeah. And then it, it all kind of carries forward fine. It would have wrapped it around, but then I guess I'm, I'm, sure, in the film. I'm sure the, you know, the writers had, you know, their plans for Jimmy Olsen, like how they see yeah. him in the extended cut of BVS. But then it just seems like that... <laughs> Whoever was in charge of that is just not a fan of Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, I don't you know, think... I, we don't I, want this I guy around. Don't, uh, and I'm not agreeing or disagreeing, but I think uh, Zack Snyder just didn't like Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it didn't fit in the Zack Snyder world of this film. Yeah. And so then he even goes a step further in the next film and actually just goes and kills the character. Yeah. Um, which, again, I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with that scene. I just... It's evident that he just didn't like the character mm-hmm. in my opinion um i i have a question about um the end of this minute mm-hmm. yeah would it have completely changed the movie if clark had just been wearing like a blue or gray shirt instead of that white henley like if he's not wearing that white shirt he's hidden on that mountain yeah he he's not i hate to say he's not the smartest guy he's really not <laughs> he, being careful at all yeah in this he doesn't moment. care like if he's uh, seeing, and you, Even I guess if he you just had that jacket on he had earlier. Yeah, yeah, like just any sort of camouflage. But I guess you can atone it to just him not used to what he's doing and used to his powers. Where if 
in my mind, a good Superman and a good Clark Kent, if he was being trying to be sneaky like that, his ears are open. He would hear mm-hmm. the, the clicking of the camera. He would hear the footsteps and heartbeat of Lois Lane, of anybody that would be, you know, anywhere his vicinity where he'd be like, okay, someone could obviously see me. He, he would hear her questioning where he's going. Yeah, yeah, like, and, you know, instead of just him being being Sasquatch on a mountain. Yeah, he, he's not being smart about it at all. Um, and that's how Lois can basically, like, sneak up on him. Because he doesn't even uh, hear her in the uh, in the tunnel in, yeah. in, like, the later minutes that we're going to mm-hmm. talk about. Um, like, not at all. And it's just, like, if you were if you were trying to be sneaky... It seems like you'd be constantly looking over your shoulder and and trying to to cover your tracks. Yeah, so he's definitely not trying. His excitement is maybe getting the best of him. I don't know. Um, That camera that she she does put together, um, I I took some quick notes about it and uh, asked my friend to kind of look it over, who's a photographer for uh, some sport affiliations, the Orlando City Soccer and UCF Football. And I was like, can you tell me a little bit about this? Uh, the camera she owns is a Nikon D3S. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said at the time, uh, so this 2013, that was Nikon's top-of-the-line camera when it came out. He says it shoots really fast, so it's great for action shots. Um, he says it's older now, but I know some professionals still use it in the field. So I, I was kind of wondering because I didn't know if, like, is this a camera and a reporter would want, or is this just product placement? But it seems like it's the perfect camera. It's a legit choice. Yeah. A little bit of both. She has... Yeah, I'm sure Nikon paid a ton for it, mm-hmm. and then they said, well, here's the one that that the media would actually use. Yeah, exactly. So it not, not only is it product placement, but it's like legit product placement. So it definitely fits for a reporter to use this kind of camera, which is cool. Um, it's still like... $1,300 today, but it only shoots in, like, it only video captures in 720, so oh, it's okay. like, why would you pay that much now for a camera like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But back then, it was really cool. <laughs> um, besides that, that's all I got for this one. Yeah. Do you, do you guys, is the Daily Planet still a newspaper in the Man of Steel world, or is it, like, an online journalistic resource? Uh, Both. Yeah, I think they make a, a statement like that in the next film. Yeah. Where, um, okay. They're, they're doing print and internet. Yeah. Yeah, they, they're doing both. Uh, what is Perry White? He says something like, um, nobody's bought a paper since, like, I don't know what he says, like 1939 or something. Oh, yeah, when mm-hmm. he just referenced the, you know, origin. The, the year the, Superman. Act, yeah, Action Comics number one and stuff yeah. like that, but... Um, but yeah, they do a lot of online stuff. I think that's, um, uh, what is that one girl that gets trapped underneath at the end? Jenny. Yeah. Jenny. I think she, she's a lot of the online thing and, and, um, Lombard kind of supports that as well, but they're definitely trying to keep up with times and move away from paper, at least from Perry White's point of view until the end of the next movie where, you know, papers sold i guess a lot maybe because of superman story. maybe superman i don't know i don't know why that he would... revived the print media <laughs> with his death though that was the thing because i guess in bvs he also says uh clark you know mentions a line where he's like why aren't we covering you know the batman attacking poor people and he's like what poor people don't buy papers anymore he's like nobody buys papers it's kind of well i can see that unfortunately <laughs> i can see like if you had such a amazing story and you're like 
we're going to put it on print. Then it's going to sell because people really want to read that story. Yeah, especially when it's, you know, the, the savior character that you saw, and especially if it's about his death and you, you see you walk by, you know, on, on the street corner and they have those newspaper dispensers, that big old headliner, I'm pretty sure it probably spiked the, the profits of the Daily Planet. Yeah. People, people had to go get coins so they could use the newspaper dispenser. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I was, I was just curious, like, how uh, some of them, some of them <laughs> drop in free, but some of them are, like, a quarter. Yeah. But it's, like, I feel like that's one of the biggest elements of Superman that has not been able to translate into the modern age is how newspapers have kind of dissolved, how print media is kind of dissolved, and it's, like, online stuff. It's like, I guess you could still make your claim that being a reporter will get you a little bit earlier access to this information, even for an online yeah. source, but it's not a lot better. And I don't know what the equivalent would really be to, to, you know, give Clark Kent his secret identity, um, and his, and his job in the modern world. I don't know. Good question. I've, Podcaster. I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to like, like ask people in like a major city, like a metropolitan area, and be like, "How? How? Like, uh, who gets the news first? Who finds out what first? Yeah, which obviously probably Lois Lane. <laughs> and and like and how how far ahead when it's, I mean, when it's a Superman level disaster, when the ship is sinking and he's got to go pick it up out of the ocean, you know, everyone knows that right away. Even when the news, like, the news finds out about it. And then it's online in 10 seconds. Yeah. Well, this is the Lois Lane, like, right place, right time thing that you keep talking about. Yep. So, <laughs> um, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, Journalism isn't the same as it was. Uh, no. Most definitely not. It's uh, it's both progressed and regressed at the same yeah. time. I think right now in our world, it's just so muddy. And it's so widespread. Like, you'll see the same report so many places. Yeah, what we consider journalism now is just so, so broad. It's it's almost like you can do an article about an, ar- an article, and it's considered like, mm-hmm. oh, that's that's news. So, it's... Yeah. it's uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and then I'd say, I'd say most of modern journalism leans towards... Um, like think pieces and and like here's my take on this or that um much more than here is something that's actually going on yeah that's it like it stepped away from actually reporting and into more of like i want the audience to get a reaction yeah when they read this mm-hmm. and so you lose that you lose that uh like credibility yeah like you go you you have to be accredited to be a journalist now and like you have to work for you know people like like the daily planet or you know new york times variety mm-hmm. and all that stuff to actually yeah be considered Again, it, a journalist it's, what i like what i was trying to say is like someone writes an article about like a discovery or like a report and then people write articles about that on article. just their reaction yeah to yeah. get you to so, have a reaction when when i was uh in college i was still in college when this uh came out and i was taking a film class and for my final paper i wrote about the different um, responses people had to Man of Steel, like the reviews and response pieces that people were writing, because I'd read a few of them. I'm like, okay, a lot of people are writing that they don't like it, 
but each one of them is saying a different thing that they don't like. And then there's another one that says that the thing one article said they don't like is the only redeeming quality about the film. So one person is saying, it's like, yeah, Henry Cavill is really stiff and wooden, and I don't think he's a great Superman. And then another article is saying, the only thing that's good about this movie is Henry Cavill playing Superman. <laughs> and so no one was consistent about it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just like, uh, well, it's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so each one, it's, it, looking at it, like, nobody's being objective. Nobody's like using any sources to help analyze it. They're just saying like, mm, I thought he was pretty good. So I'll write an article. That's, that's the problem with, with most people getting their, their opinions about film, which really, first of all, you shouldn't be really reading into someone's opinion about a film without having seen the movie first. Cause I usually will read reviews after I've seen a movie just to kind of like get a mm -hmm. feel for what other people think and like bounce my opinions off and, and see what, but like again when people write criticisms for a film whether they're good or bad it's just kind of more subjective to how you think the film was and not really like you said objective um where you talk about like cinematography or the mise-en-scene of the film and stuff like that and i don't know it's just yeah because i think henry cavill is good in this film I, I like him a lot, especially in um, the minutes we have coming up where he's not quite Superman, yeah. but he's getting there. Yeah. Like I like a lot of those moments where he's not sure of what's going on, but he's discovering it. Now, I think the, the, the writing is stiff here and there. Yeah, but he's he mm -hmm. portrays the character in visually, I think, very, very well. I've, I've never seen a time where I've looked at Henry and been like, he doesn't look like Superman. No, like constantly when he's on screen, he he looks like it. Yeah, and and um, and then people will like bash things like uh, the Battle Metropolis or like him snapping Zod's neck, and and then you get into more of like people thinking that that was an actual mistake instead of like yeah he's supposed to make a mistake kind yeah of thing does that make sense yeah yeah and then it's your your personal interpretation of superman as a character and and his morality and then you're dealing with a whole much like a much much deeper philosophical argument than actually what's at stake here which is a superman movie yeah exactly um, which is still important and you know i i think everyone does have their interpretation um and when somebody nails and like their personal interpretation and they write a, a good one that resonates with a lot of people, that's when you have your shining examples that carry on for years and years and years of what is this character. Um, I think in this case, maybe that's not what's been created, um, but it just depends on how many people this interpretation resonates with at a certain time. Yeah, and I, I think once we get the end of justice league and like man of steel sequel um we'll be able to like centralize that that character and then we'll we'll see him from the full arc like from from the start of man of steel to the end of justice league or uh man of steel 2 and we'll <laughs> and we'll see that character much bigger than than just kind of like pinpointing how he was in man of steel yeah like how he just relates to the classic yeah, character we're just gonna it's uh I used it a long time ago, but it was like Luke Skywalker in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're just talking about A New Hope, Luke Skywalker, 
you don't really like that character. But now the way we talk about Luke Skywalker is so centralized. It's way different. Yeah. Because we've seen the whole progression. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the franchise of the character instead of just a single film. So people still think of Superman in these films as kind of like a dud. But it's like, wait till wait till it's all come together. Yeah. And then you're going to see that Give whole, it some time. That yeah. progression of the character is going to be worth more than... If Man of Steel had just been Boy Scout Superman from the gates. Yeah, they're definitely creating their own version of the character. Yeah. Um, but that's all I got for this minute. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. You good? Yeah. Alrighty, guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this minute. If you love what you hear, don't forget to rate, subscribe, do all that jazz. You can find us on all social media at DCEU Minute. And don't forget to check out Andrew's podcast, Protagonist Podcast, and Disney Animation Minute Essentials. And we'll catch you guys here at DC Cinematic Minute.